Welcome to episode 8 of the Music Magic Podcast with Chick Corea. Today, we're going to hear a special conversation with Chick and his friend and bandmate for many years, Wallace Roney. Wallace is one of the great trumpet players of our time, and as you're about to hear, he's one of Chick's favorite musicians to play with. Wallace has studied with the gods of trumpet, Dizzy Gillespie, Clark Terry, and Woody Shaw. And, ultimately, with his greatest influence, Miles Davis, culminating in sharing the stage with his hero and Miles actually passing his horn on to Wallace. Chick and Wallace sat down for a chat at Electric Lady Studios during a recording with John Mayer. This episode of the Music Magic Podcast is brought to you by ChickCoreaMusicWorkshops.com, featuring training videos helping musicians take their playing to the next level, covering everything from improvisation, harmony, technique, and much more, all direct from Chick. Start unleashing your creativity today at ChickCoreaMusicWorkshops.com. Now, over to Chick and Wallace. All right, so uh, Electric Lady Studios, my buddy and uh, my favorite trumpet player, Wallace Roney. Thank you, Chick. Thank you for coming. And uh, well, we, we've been jamming for a couple of days here yeah. with John. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. You know, I I don't have anything particular in mind. Uh, I I know that I know that uh, the people that are going to be tuning in um, to listen to this are kind of oriented. Toward the idea of um, of you know uh, looking into musicians' ways of thinking and the, the, some students and people will ask questions. They have ideas in mind, so we could go a- anywhere we want. Uh, but um, yeah, I don't know. What do you want to talk about? What would you like to talk about? Well, first of all, you mentioned that we're here in the studio. Yeah, and. I always wanted to come here. My three favorite studios yeah. was Rudy's, and I played, I've, you know, I've done a, million, a lot of records. Rudy Van Gelder, yeah. who recorded uh, uh, all, all the Blue Note All the Blue Note, stuff. Impulse, and all Impulse. that. Yeah. yeah. And then um, I never did 30th Street, um, Sony, I mean, Columbia Studios. The studio, Columbia Studios. But I did the 52nd Street one. Oh, right, right. And then, yeah, yeah. And this was the, the other one that I always wanted to do. Base, cool, so, the Electric yeah. Lady Studios. Like, they, this is the room uh, I recorded the Leprechaun in with Gail and oh. and uh, uh, Joe Farrell and Steve Gadd and Anthony Jackson. I know, you know, and yeah. when we were listening to the the, the um, piece with um, Joe playing flute and and the, the brass section you wrote and all that stuff, amazing. Yeah, yeah, amazing. That, that was so. That's a that's a nice memory. But now. Yeah, Wallace is here. Well, you know, playing some some beautiful, dropping in some beautiful, beautiful Roneyisms that uh, that is really making the the, the session that we're doing uh, so uh, I don't know lyrical and and uh, expanded the way you improvise. Thank you. You know, it's funny because I was getting ready to say from that point of you know all the great things that has been recorded here in your record. To what, when I walked into the studio and you were playing and John was playing and Steve and it was so expansive, you know. And then you really got a depth of how it felt like whatever I wanted to play, as long as I knew what I wanted to play, you were going to be there for it, mm. you know. I, it, I tell you what, it's a, <clears throat> it's a kind of a role that I love. 
but, but it's a relationship that I love, but especially doing it with, with you and musicians, uh, a handful of musicians like you, uh, where everything that you play inspires me to 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 put a, to put an orchestration to it of some right, kind. Right, right. Yeah, you know, you know, I I, I got a I, I just thought of some just just like a free form thing, whatever. Yeah. You're, but I just thought that um, that when I first came across that idea, actually, I uh, I I'm gonna give a a really huge tip of the hat to Herbie Hancock. Right. Because when I first heard her heard, uh, heard the way Herbie was. Uh, Re, especially the recordings that that he made with Miles in the right. studio, uh, in the you know the dates better than me. It was the '60s, it right, was the, right. uh, early '60s. From Seven Steps till when you joined, exactly, yeah. exactly. And and, and right away I noticed that Herbie uh, had uh, was the first time I heard uh, a piano, you could say comping right. or accompaniment uh, to to a band or to a soloist. That had an orchestral approach to it. Right. His he, he was very thoughtful about when he would play. Right. And what he would play. Right. And his accompaniments were always thoughtful, and they were m- melodic, and you could uh, you could pr- you could pretty well take the stuff that he played, and orchestrate them for like uh, a small ensemble right, or right, strings right, or, right. or brass or, or whatever. And and I took that idea. I, I thought of, I thought of that, and I thought. That's the way. That's the way to accompany a soloist. So I've been I've been loving doing that and ever since. So I so I, I like doing that for you. And when you do it, it's to me it's just the way you think. It re-inspires me to play off of that orchestration that you might have gotten from something I might have played. Mm-hmm. So it re-inspires, and then I want to play through through the pieces that I'm hearing that you just. Fed me, you know. Mm-hmm. So it goes like, it's 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 amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really really nice. Well, I tell you one thing. I'd I'd like to get your your opinion on. I mean, it's just uh, and have the have the listeners uh, get your viewpoint. Like yeah. here's a, here's here's this amazing, uh, accomplished, creative man. Who, who probably I don't know you you might have thought about this or not, but a lot of people write in and call in and they they uh, they ask about like well how do you improvise because if you put yourself in the viewpoint of a musician who hasn't uh, experienced doing that a lot you know mm-hmm. and they and they uh, uh, maybe see someone who improvises music and it and it's a, it's a nice feel to do it they want to know well. And they haven't tried it, and I—I I mean, I say something general like, "Well, just do it," and mm-hmm. so forth. But what, what, what to you is what? What is it? What is the improvisation? I mean, is there—is that what you're always doing, or is that what you do sometimes, or what? what? Always, and it's interesting. There's a million answers to that, mm-hmm. but it's since we're free flowing and letting it flow, like, yeah. I guess what I would say is constantly being melodic. Hmm. And creating a melodic um, sequence or, or composition or, you know, variations. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what it is. So when I hear music, when I'm participating in it, even if I'm not participating in it, I'm hearing what's next. Yeah. And whatever's next is the improvisation. And it's melodic, you know. Hmm. And sometimes your melodicism, in my opinion can be deep, can have depth harmonically. 
Mm. But it's still, it has to be, for me, it has to be melodic. Even if it's rhythmic, it's melodically rhythmic. So I'm a, I'm a melodicist player that spent a lot of time loving the depth, the deepness of harmony. Yeah. That's what I would say. Yeah, yeah, I see. Well, okay, now, uh, I, uh, I get that. Now, what about... Uh, yeah. I, I'm going to be a guy. I'm going to try and be a guy who says, uh, who says, all right. Uh, now, how do I get to be melodic, uh, playing a particular particular tune? Like, like I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm stuck on the melody or the harmony. I mean, how, how far out can I go? How far in can I go? I mean, what what are the rules and and all of that? Wow, there's a lot of ways to answer that. So, there's the first basic answer. You must know your instrument. Uh, mm-hmm. Second basic, or maybe that's the second basic instrument. Mm. A basic thing. The first basic thing, you got to know yourself. Mm. So meaning that I think anybody can improvise if they didn't have the limitation of an instrument. In other words, if you have a kid and he's listening to the radio and he's listening to his favorite song, he probably can continue or sing something along with it. Yeah, yeah. So the more, if you can free yourself, this is my opinion. This is just my opinion. Absolutely. If you can free yourself to be that person that can just sing along with it. Now, the, the problem is, there's no problem. Then you got an instrument that you have that you have to express yourself through. Mm. So then you owe it to yourself. You owe if you're going to be that kind of, you know, you got to learn your instrument. Mm-hmm. So that won't handicap the freedom. So then we're talking about not only learning an instrument, but harmonically and, and discipline and all that. Then you have to learn the language of the, of the, of the music in question, mm-hmm. which I guess we're talking about jazz because jazz is basically the improvisational music. I mean, there's other musics that improvise, you know, but we're talking about jazz. So you got to learn the language, in my opinion. Then I'm real interested in learning about other musics and incorporating whatever their improvisational techniques into not changing my language, Mm. but just adding to it. Mm. Like you just showed me a gypsy scale, Mm. you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, I play those notes. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't play it in that sequence, or if I did play it in that sequence, I didn't mindfully play it. Yeah. So now I mindfully got it along with the other language. Yeah. Or scales or peggios or... You know what I'm saying? Absolutely, yeah. and 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 once once you uh, if you if you remember uh, our little discussion about that scale, which I I call just I, I call it a flamenco scale. Flamenco scale. Yeah, but but I mean, but all you have to do is is listen to a, a, a great flamenco player like Paco de Lucia, right. or some some great flamenco singer like Camarón, or, right. or, or one or, or some other singer, and you hear. Hear how they do it, then right. you, then you, then that becomes real. That right. that scale, which is just a, a technical thing right, right. of notes, right. becomes a real, a real, ex- right. a real expression. You know what it seems to me, Wallace? 
Um, I'm talking to a handful of musicians now. I've talked to some great musicians. I'm talking to you. I talked to John Mayer. I talked to Steve Jordan uh, earlier today. Uh, I talked to Bela Fleck. I talked to Bobby McFerrin. I talked to Stanley Clark. And, you know, I'm getting to the idea, because I'm, I'm, I'm on this, just to start a conversation, I'm on this idea of, like, what is improvisation in order to, in order to uh, jumpstart uh, a, a musician who's asking the question what it, what it is, and he would like to do it. You know, I want him to get to do it, whatever. But you know what, I, you know what I'm, I'm coming around to thinking? Hmm. Is that it, it's all improvisation. Right. It's, it's like, even if you, even if you take... Um, if, even if you take a, 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 a melody that's on a written page or someone sings the melody to you and you play it back, right. you're still play, playing it. Right. If, right. You, if, you played a, if you played a Haydn trumpet concerto that had every note written down. Right, right. You're uh, interpreting. Yeah, or, or even if you played, tried to play the notes as exactly as possible, it would still be your concept of exactness. Right, right, right. And so right. it would be your expression. So right. every, everywhere, every, every time you play, so it sort of blows up the concept of improvisation. What is improvisation? So the, the word just sort of disappears, and, and all it is is you play. Right. And h- how do you play? And what? How do you play an instrument? And, how, right. and you get down to some technical things, you know. Right. Right. But I like to. I like to. Uh, I I I think of it as being able to be where you are, mm-hmm. when you are, without like me looking at you now, mm-hmm. talking to you, without me thinking of the last time we talked. Right. Exactly. Or, or me being able to say something to you without me thinking of the of some other past thing. Right. So if we if we can be right here, right, coming up with a with spontaneous a, a spontaneous new thought. Right. Then that's got to be improvisation. I mean, it's the same way you walk down the street. Exactly. You say, "I'm going to go across the street to uh, to that restaurant and have something to eat." And so the body goes left foot, right foot, and you you're improvising the whole way. You're not thinking about. Which muscle moves what leg? Right. Wayne Shorter said it's composing with an invisible pen or composing... Who your, said? Wayne Shorter. Oh, yeah. Composing with an invisible pen or compo- your, your horn becomes the pen. Right, right. Composing. Yeah. So it breaks down the barriers between those concepts of right. improvisation, right. composition, right. And, and so forth. So what do you want to talk about now? <laughs> you know what? What's your interest? I, I don't want to. I don't want to end because no. I'm, I'm enjoying talking to you. You know what? Music is my love. I box too, but music is my heart, and um, I get so much out of listening to you. Or Herbie or John Coltrane, Miles. Of course, you know Miles is mm-hmm. my my mentor, my hero, and um, or even Jimi Hendrix. You know, mm. Wes Montgomery. But those guys, you guys, said something to me that's um, people say. I heard people say music's supposed to serve something or supposed to do something. Sometimes music is an exp- should give you a, a feeling, an experience, you know, take you somewhere, you know, lift you up. I, I, I'm inspired by that, you mm. know, by those, you know, and that's what I get from you. 
That's mm. what I get from my my the the best of music. It almost transports you, or it cleanses you, or mm-hmm. it, or it um, inspire you to think or see or mm-hmm. you know. Some people say it inspires a revolution. Revolution. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All that. Yeah. 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 I I see that. I agree with that. It's why why we love to do it. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. I I I try and point out the fact that uh, that. Uh, um, that we do something that that's kind of kind of special. I I, I thought about it earlier today because because we're here we we're playing our instruments, especially in a situation like this. I think the situations that you create as well for yourself and your band and situations I create, and when we play together, we're playing in situations where where we're we're, we're playing freely. Right. When when I. When when I ask you to come and, and and play some music with me, or vice versa, you ask me to come play some music with you, uh, we're asking each other to come and just be ourselves, right. not to do something else. Yeah. So that's yeah. ca- kind of kind of a pretty free area uh, yeah. and and a and a way to be. And I I, I like to and, and if you if you do it well and and you enjoy doing it and and take enough time to put uh, to put something together that's that people will enjoy, then then I think we're doing something that contributes something uh, really valuable yeah. to the environment, and plus we get away with it. Yeah. Because we're doing what we love to do. Well, you know what? We're not really getting away with it. We put in a lot of time practicing. Yeah. And that's a, I mean, I, like I said, I box. But sometimes some of the hardest things was practicing. Some of them making sure, you know, you Discipline your fingers so the muscle won't. Yeah, you know, and so no, we put in our time. Do you still practice? Yeah, I mean, do you practice daily, or you, you do you have some kind of regimen? I I I, I have um, something that starts my day. Hmm. I guess you call that regimen, but yeah, because there's things I know that's going to happen on the instrument that I haven't thought of yet, hmm. and I want to be part of that. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, I listen to all the greatest. Musicians and virtuosos, and I'm thinking to myself, "Oh, it's amazing!" But now it's getting closer. Everybody's getting closer, and I'm saying, "I mean, not closer to what they've done, but you start to think, 50 years from now, something else is going to happen on this instrument." Hmm. I'm trying to figure out what it is. Hmm. Let me see if I can push it, or if I can, you know, maybe it's beauty. Maybe it's technical. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So those are the things I'd be thinking about. So what do you do to get to it? Like when you when you say you say you do something daily, what kind of thing? Well, you just pick up the horn. Well, or? first of all, I do try to keep the basic things going. I try to keep read. I read something. I read something out of Slosberg. Oh, oh, really? Oh, yeah. I, to, I, to keep up uh, sight reading. Keep your sight, and, and that it's like cross training. You, you you got some technical exercise and you're reading. Yeah, so, yeah. okay, you got that. So I do that. And then I try to push the technical studies a little bit more. How do you do that? Mm, I'm curious. Faster or slower. Yeah. You know, and whatever, you know. And then the tone. I try to mm. make the tone almost as, in my opinion, what Miles would say, without attitude. Mm. Yeah, you know, you're you're well known for well. I mean, I'm not the only one that I've discussed this 
before with with other other friends and musicians that that you you have a particularly deep and rich tone. Thank you. Uh, I I personally love. I can you play play one one note and I know it's Wallace. Oh, man. you don't have to play a line. Thank so, you. So because you have a particular tone. So how do you work on tone? Do you do? You... Oh, that's the beauty because when you love the sound or you you hear something in your head and you you work you playing. When I play long tones, it's not long tones to me anymore. It's melody. It's melodic. Mm. And you're trying to get that note as clear or as much in the center. Mm. And then when you get in the center, you can open it up a little more. Mm. And I just, that's what I keep doing. Yeah. I keep trying to do that every day. Mm. You know, try to open it up from from the center of that note. Make it wider, make it darker, make it more expressive. But... The goal still without attitude or without, you know, um, something that dates the sound. You know, try to be as clear. Sometimes I feel like John Coltrane was trying to hear a sound mm-hmm. that, you know, a universal sound. He's trying to link to it. I think Miles had it, too. I don't, I mean, not that they, you know, but I think. Even if he didn't, I, I'm gonna tell you something, Miles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, it's trying to get that sound to be as pure as what you probably imagine. What it sounds like, 200 light years away. Yeah. Miles said to me, "Man, I wonder what it sound like to play out in space." Hmm. I understood that. I understood he meant. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe possibly could mean without any other influence. He was saying because you don't know gravity, no, you know, no influence, you're right? No you're gravitic right. influence, right. No, no other human right. human influence right. either. It's like you're far enough away from from other people's ideas of what a pure sound is. Right, you can just be left with your own but imagination, and that sound will just you play, and it just goes straight out. Well, I like to try and do that while I'm in a band on but that's, stage. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And that's what you imagine. That's right. You imagine you it con- like that. Yeah, you're connecting like that. That's what, mm-hmm. well, I'll tell you something else. Once we talking about Miles, I was very fortunate to be able to hang with him a lot. I'm going to tell you two great stories. Please. But um, I used to go over there sometime, and we'd be talking, and he'd be telling me, you know, things, you know, showing me some stuff. And I remember one time... I said, you remember that from something? He said, yeah. What you want in a concert of B flat? What did he say? Say that again. What you want? Where you want a concert of B flat? <laughs> so he would show me a chord. Yeah, concert of B flat. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Would, would, how, how do you want me to explain it? Yeah, yeah. So he would show me a chord on piano, and he would show me a particular chord. Let's say a flat nine chord, yeah. but he would show me a flat nine chord with a like a. I'm not gonna get too deep, but yeah. maybe, maybe a a root is some um, a or something. A root. Yeah, and he would put a triad over top, yeah. and the flat nine might be up top, and it might be in like second inversion or something. Mm. And you know, then he would say, and then he would bring it up like this, something. You know, you say, I find that know you. You know, you got to find that relationship there. I find it there, mm. and I would have to find that note. You know. Oh, he changed the voicing. He would, yeah, but you had to find the relationship, that flat nine, to the voicing that he was doing. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, and he yeah, said, yeah. 
That's a game. Yeah, it, but it, it makes you Train your hear, ear. Yeah, and it make you hear because he would play these things mm-hmm. and he would move it down like this and you say, okay, oh, yeah. oh, because the overtones might make you, the overtone of the chord or the cluster of the chord might make you hear something else. That's right, yeah. What you got to find is right, right here, right here. say, bang, right there. Mm-hmm. Or down as E flat, bang, right here. Yeah. You know? Wow. So... So I'll tell you another story real quick. This yeah, I'm yeah, trying to please. make this quick. Yeah, no, no, just go take your time. So we started, I, you know, I tried to see him whenever I could. Mm-hmm. Whenever, if he was in town and I could go over, I'd go see what, him. What were these years, like, approximately? Between 83 and 91. Yeah, yeah. Before, all, all the yeah. way up to, all the way. He left us, he left us in 91, didn't he? In 91, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you played with him. Mm-hmm. Right before then, I played. I did the Gill thing with him. That's right. Yeah, that he, was in ninety. That what? was ninety one. That was in ninety one. Uh, you did the yeah. Gill Evans uh, Montreux. Yeah, and thing. you did the Paris thing. Right. I did the Paris right. thing just before that. I right, think. right, yeah. yeah. So he said, um, and, and at the time he told me he was talking about doing that from nineteen eighty eight. A lot of people think that he didn't want to do it. No, he wanted to do it. He wanted to do that Montreux, uh Gil Evans revisit. He right? wanted to do that, and he wanted to do the band with Herbie and them. But whatever, it wound up turning out that it became all inclusive with you and Dave and yeah. Al. And Even it, yeah, I think he at that point. Steve Grossman was there, yeah. and uh, a lot of the musicians that played with him. But he used to tell me, "I want you to do it with me because you play just like me." Perfect. <laughs> so um, we would be talking, and we'd, I'd be hanging with him, and we'd talk about Tony a lot because I was playing with Tony. Yeah. And he loved Tony. He's telling me all these stories about Tony. And we'd go back and forth. So one day, we were playing at the Vanguard. I don't know if I told you the story. Uh, I don't remember. We were playing at the Vanguard, and we start on Tuesday, and I got a call from Miles. Miles, what you doing? I said, I'm playing tonight. Well, the Vanguard. Woo. With Tony. Okay, come off. So I came over to his place. He said, tonight when you play with Tony, your first solo, I want you to just pack. Pack for a couple courses. So he showed me what packing just, was. Just pack. Oh, yeah. pack. Yeah. Pack. yeah what, what did he mean by pack? I heard him use that word. Packing is taking a phrase. And leaving space in between the phrases. All right. So if you got a phrase like beep bop ba dee 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 do beep bop, you play it bop no beep bop ba dee bee dee bee da beep bop. Yeah, right. Right. But I was so I'm playing. So he made sure we, you know, I play, and he would tell me, say beep bop bop Here we go. Right. So you know, so I'm mimicking it. <clears throat> that night, I got out there and said, Tony said, boom, 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 You leave space and you, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's a definitely thing to do. Right, so, so then yeah. the next day he called me. He said, how did it go? I said, oh, man, that was great. He said, okay, all right. Now, tomorrow, I want you to have you back for a couple choruses. I want you to play. But I want you to end your phrases on the hand of three or on four. Mm-hmm. Or over the bar line on the hand of one. Uh-huh. Don't finish your phrase. But if you finish it, if you got to play, play all first. So he was saying, 
Some games, huh? Mm-hmm. That was some incredible games, man. That that that's really being inside, uh, yeah. inside. Uh, Miles and Tony were inside each other like that. But you know, you know what's interesting to me about what you were saying about pecking. Yeah, is is that uh, uh, to, just for the students uh, to to check out? Because because way I the way I've experienced that, what I experienced that in terms of like. Playing with playing with other musicians, drummers, but any other musician you right. interacting with. If I'm playing with a soloist, mm-hmm. uh, if I'm playing with you and you're blowing, or if I'm if I'm in the rhythm section and I'm playing with the drummer, especially, 
But if I'm interacting with someone, even if I'm interacting with another accompanist, like like if I'm playing, if I'm accompanying on keyboards, and if a guitar is there, I can do that with the guitar or with anyone. But the the concept is is space is something you create right. by putting something down on over here, and then. When you don't put anything down, you're now creating something, right. which is called space. Okay. Right. Right. And then you put something down a little bit, quote unquote, later. Right. And that defines a space. But the thing about space when you're playing is that it, it's an invitation right. to your partner. Right. To, to the person. It's an invitation. Right. If I go, do boop, boop, that. Right. Right it's an invitation. Right. If I'm going to do that, do that, do that, do that, do that, you saying I got it. Yeah, there's no invitation. It's I mean, and you can then then your partner can put something in or not put something. It's a choice, but but creating space is definitely an an invitation. To me, to me, it's always been a goal when I'm playing, even if I'm playing solo. I'm trying to work on my piano solo so that I can create space within right. that because it in, it invites me to play something already it invites the audience just to imagine something right. or to think something or do you know what i mean but the creation of space to me is one of the most important things that you can do as a musician especially if the if the anchors that you put on either side of the space are pretty right <laughs> right exactly yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that those are good. Those are cool stories about Miles. Oh man! <laughs> Thank you, Wallace. Thank you. Chad. Well, we, you know, we'll have to we'll have to create a a part two at some point. Okay. And you got to come down, and we got to do something together, which we will do. Oh, yes, for sure. Anytime you want me, I'm uh, there, and you know, love you, just love you. Thank you, man. Likewise, Wallace Roney and Chick Corea, Electric Lady Studios. Ding dong. Ding dong. Thanks very much for listening. In the next episode of Music Magic Podcast, Chick talks to the late, great classical pianist Mario Feninger. While it's a name you may not have heard, Chick credits Mario as a major inspiration, an important mentor, and one of the rare few piano teachers Chick has had over the years. In a truly intimate conversation, you'll hear about Mario's fascinating nine decades in music, a discussion of Chopin, Liszt, Beethoven, and Mozart as improvisers, and some seriously sage advice on the art of playing the piano. To hear that, please subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you happen to get your podcasts. Chick's got many more conversations lined up with the world's greatest musicians that you're not going to want to miss. And if you're a musician, check out ChickCoreaMusicWorkshops.com. Chick recorded a special solo piano take of his classic tune, Spain, live in studio. And now you can download everything you need to really get inside his performance. Video of Chick's hands on the keys, a music transcription overseen by Chick himself. It's all free, too. All you have to do is head to ChickCoreaMusicWorkshops.com and sign up. And of course, that's just the beginning of Chick's Music Workshops. Once you've signed up, every other week we'll send you new training videos that aim to inspire the creative musician and provide practical tools and tips to improve your playing, all direct from Chick. That's it for now. 
Make sure to check out the next episode of Music Magic, featuring Chick in conversation with Mario Feninger. Okay, until next time. <laughs>